Hey, Heal community, welcome to season six. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. If you're back for more, thank you for continuing to support this project and being a part of it. If you're not yet a member of my email list, go to sarahmarshallnd.com to register. That will continue to be the hub of all new releases of podcasts, articles, and updates. As this project goes into its third year this June, I'm building a team to expand into more ways to support you on your healing journey, and my email list is the best way to do that. Go to my website, sarahmarshallnd.com to sign up. Welcome to Heal. On today's episode, intuitive eating coach Mandy Podlesny and I explore what do you do after following a health diet is no longer the answer. Join us as we share our very parallel journeys from disordered eating to years of strict paleo and keto diets to live in the world of healthy intuitive eating. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Marshall. Sweet. Ah, this is going to be the best episode ever. (laughs) No No pressure. pressure. (laughs) So I am just super stoked. We have Mandy Podlesny, a empowered eating coach. And oh my gosh, your story. I mean, one, I just, I think it's because it resonates so much with my journey as well of figuring out a chronic disease. What do I even have then dealing with shit conventional medicine doesn't necessarily have the answers or any that I'm looking for and then you go on this like deep research process yeah and I will wait to leave the spoilers out for people to discover the then what but I'm yeah thank you for being here Mandy thank you for having me doc I appreciate it this is so exciting yeah I wish that Google paid you for how much time you spent on their platform because <laughs> I spent a lot of time researching but yeah cool where do you want me to start just go right in yeah I want to know like what have you been dealing with in your health like like walk us through your journey a bit here yeah how long is this podcast no I'm just kidding oh uh, I'll do a long story very short yeah so when I was 19 <laughs> I'm 36 now y'all do the math. I bent down to pick up a shoe and what was supposed to be just a meniscal tear. I, in my knee, I turned into a whole 12 plus year journey of trying to figure out how the hell all of this inflammation got in my body. So I got the meniscal tear fixed and then it bounced between doctors because it didn't heal. And then I did an exploratory surgery after that exploratory surgery the second one, my whole entire body swelled up. So I was 19 trying to live my life, dating, going to college, drinking underage. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, just quote unquote, like normal things, but I was not normal. I was literally referring to myself as like the grandma. I was in a sorority, like just trying to like walk around with my bum knees and my body just being inflamed. And that was my life for, like I said, 12 plus years. Like I literally went to every probably prominent hospital and doctor in the East coast. And then finally I just got the case of the efforts and started just taking Advil to manage because no treatment or doctor or pill or anything was working to a level of degree where I felt like it was going to have some resolution. So I was living with chronic inflammation and chronic pain for 
decade. And I started doing the Google research on how to do a diet and like, what would be substantially better for me? And like coffee enemas and like, I'd have done, like, if you name it, I've probably done it or drank it or followed it or whatever. So that was my life for a really long time. And then I would develop these food relationship issues because I would eat kale and chicken because that's what Mark Sisson and the paleo world would say. And then I would go back into the case of the efforts because I would do it for three weeks. I know three weeks is not very long, but like I was 20 some years old, like trying to live in that life. Also in San Diego at that time, I moved to San Diego and then it was just like a disaster cycle over and over, like on again, off again, on again, off again. And I was just like, Oh Lord. And finally I saw my dad and he looked at me, I was getting off of the baggage claim and he was like, you look like shit. And I was like, I just, I started to sob in the middle of the Philadelphia airport because I, he was right. So that was like the pattern interrupt, so to speak, or like the shift that I needed to like get myself on track. I don't even like to say that. It's like more just like, okay, I need to make my health a priority. So I cosmically somehow met a doctor that diagnosed me. My diagnosis is ankylosing spondylitis, inflammation everywhere essentially, but it's more men in the back. My back's fine. My knees are messed up. And I started to really pay attention to five things, my nutrition, my movement, my self-care, my sleep, and my hydration. And that's what I did for myself. Now I do it for my clients, but I started to do that and started to see results. Yes. I've used traditional medicines and things like that to like get myself. Okay. And like start being treated at treating the inflammation, but my joint damage was so bad that I had to have my knees replaced. My left knee replacement failed. So I had to have that revised. I had an elbow reconstruction an ankle reconstruction and a Achilles lengthening. I don't know if I told you that. no. I, when we talked you, actually hadn't even said ankylizing spondylosis. I didn't know what the the thing was in that context, but this makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. And no, that presentation wouldn't have sparked most people to even think, you know, that that's what's really going on. It'd be like, you know, and I've had other clients who have had sort of similar things. Like I actually have one person right now that I'm working with where it's just been this cascade of joint problems and chronic inflammation and anybody she's ever seen. And I don't know, like eight surgeries or something like that. And they're like, well, yeah. you're the mother of three kids. Of course you're tired. Oh my God. Like, yeah. And wait, I've had doctors hold yeah. on. Oh my you know? God. <laughs> like, yeah. And I've had doctors tell me like tequila and cupcakes has, does nothing for like inflammation. Like your diet has no bearing. I was like, you're an idiot. You're fired, but it took a long time. So I had all of these surgeries and in the midst of that surgery, I actually drank a packet of pure therapeutic ketones, which introduced me to ketones, ketosis, and all of that. It literally turned my brain on. And I, yes, I was chronically fatigued because of everything going oh, yeah. on and then surgery recovery and then living in New York and seasonal depression, et cetera. So I had a very dramatic response, but I don't think that you just live on a supplement without changing diet. Cause my nacho delivery service girls, ladies, <laughs> uh, in living in New York city, it was like every yeah. other day, my Grubhub. Yeah. It was yeah. A lot. yeah. So yeah. I just, yeah. So I stumbled upon ketosis, but I was, I mean, I never, I, I didn't really even know why I bought them. I was just like, let me try these I, maybe. And then it, I had such a dramatic response 
to my inflammation. I was actually able to like walk one foot in front of the other. Yes. With knee replacements, but I was not grandma styling down the stairs. And then, yeah, I started really just educating myself on ketones, ketosis, clean eating diets, and really healing my relationship with food. And that's where I'm at now four and a half years later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. That's well, thank you for setting the stage of like, I mean, I can only imagine that those 12 years we just did in two and a half minutes. (laughs) I don't, yeah, yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to take up half the podcast, but yeah, I mean, that is my story and I don't really lead with like the knee replacement surgeries and stuff like that because it's not really like that relatable, but it like, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't say anything to you. (laughs) No, 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 totally. And, and one of the things you and I had talked about when we, when we were crafting this episode is you know, what, what I get present to when you just share that is a conversation I like to create with clients is about therapeutic diets versus living your life. Oh yeah. And you know, there's a time and a place and, and there are diets that are just, they are medicine and they will shift biochemistry and they'll force pathways and they'll move us through spaces. And like with some of my clients, I talk a lot about first, we got to do clean out and restoration And then there's like restoration slash rebuilding. And then there's going to be this other phase you get to, but that's not like you and I were saying, like breaking down the paradigm around diets and food is like, people get very dogmatic about, oh my God. Yeah. Ketosis, paleo, vegan, fill in the blank with all of the Mm. other, you know, and then I've had even, I had one client who, holy moly, she actually fully committed to the, do you, are you familiar with the specific carbohydrate diet? It's I've like, heard of it. I don't it's really, like FODMAP. Yeah, it's, it's in that I'm, world. Yeah. Yeah. And for listeners, I just threw out a couple acronyms. There's, and I <laughs> can't off the top of my head, remember what they stand for, but there's the gaps diet. There's the low FODMAP yep. diet, specific carbohydrate diet. They're in similar areas. They all have paleo keto leanings, yep. but they each have different specific foods they take out for different reasons. And, and she actually fully committed to the specific carbohydrate diet and did it for, I think like 22 months. And with that kind of a diet, you will never eat out at a restaurant. You have to make all your own sauces and dressings from scratch. Uh, And in order to like truly stick to it and it worked like her digestion changed dramatically and she noticed and there was weight loss that she hadn't been able to accomplish before. There was, there was a huge improvement in, in symptoms. And then we reached this point of like, now what? And I actually love, I think it's Chris Cresser who talks about this could be Dr. Axe. Cause I sometimes confuse those guys, <laughs> but they both have really great nutrition based blogs that you can get a lot of yeah. good information from. But I think it was Chris Cresser. Spend some time on them. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yep. Yep. Who actually started to talk about one of the challenges with particularly the specific carbohydrate diet or something like that, where it it is almost antibiotic in nature. I mean, it's not exactly the same. That's a little bit of a stretch, but it's such a potent therapeutic diet that you are killing off the gut microbiome in the, in taking the like negatives out but there's not a sufficient way to rebuild things such that you can go back to normal life. And people get kind of trapped there. They go off the diet, everything flares, then they go back on the diet. And it's this like vicious cycle of how do you transition out of it? And he's actually done research and started to look at what those transitions look like. And it's something I've incorporated into my practice, but then there's this other piece. So there's the, the biochemistry of it. 
Yeah. And I have people who come to me, they're like, I want to do intermittent fasting. I want to do keto. And, and I like look from a medical standpoint, what their body actually needs Yeah, and where they're at. Because like, if, if there's a lot of deficiency states, I'm more interested in re like pouring nutrition in than giving you this very tight list of things you can't eat. And Mm -hmm. I think we might've talked about this. There's an amazing author, Janine Roth wrote a book called women, food, and God. And she's, she has lost and gained over a thousand pounds in her lifetime. She's had every eating disorder under the sun. She's been bulimic. She's been anorexic. She's been a binge eater. She's been overweight. She's been underweight. Like this woman's curse and gift has been her relationship to food. And then her out was mindfulness. And she found a way to actual intuitive, mindful eating. And what she kind of laid out the basics. And I read that book so many years ago, but what I got from it was your whole relationship to yourself and the world is on your plate, how you eat. And, and the way you treat yourself, the way that you don't treat yourself, you know, and she put people into what she'd experienced in her clientele because she ended up then working as a nutritionist and helping people through yeah. this process is there's restrictors and permitters. And what's really interesting is restrictors tend to be more on that side of anorexia or bulimia at the diagnosis level, but then there's disordered eating. Like those of us that just don't have a, which is most of us Mm. don't have a crazy powerful relationship to food, which is what I love about your, like, I'm an empowered eating coach, not a diet coach. Right. Yeah. Reformed keto. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll still teach keto. There's like, like, that's a thing. And then that's what I like led with. Like you lead with these diets and then, Yeah. yeah, but yeah. But in, in the restrictors and permitters, one of the things I noticed, so restrictors are that permitters, <laughs> that's me. We are like, give me a rule book. I will find the loopholes. I yep, am like I all am. about yep. pleasure seeking and I've never been super great. I've done the whole 30 for 30 days once. I've done the <laughs> whole 30 for somewhere between 12 and 21 days. I don't know, four times. And the other thing that would always get me is I would do these diets rigorously and everyone would be like it changed my life and I'd be like not that much moved because I I just needed to get into a bigger context and but what I noticed is some of my clients who really are innately restrictors they they feel more comfortable with the control they're like I have to do the FODMAP diet I'm gonna follow it to a T you know every single and I'm like that gives me information of the work we have to do down the line to help untie and pull apart the emotional relationship to food and control and all the pieces. So tell me about that for you. Like here you are, you have this amazing experience where the ketosis state starts to really make a difference in your inflammation Mm -hmm. Great, You can do Mm -hmm. some core healing there. Then what happened? Yeah. I just like, think I went on this path of like, diligent heal like I just made it a priority like I was sick and tired of telling the same bullshit story of like well my inflammation this and my diagnosis that like I identified as a sick person Mm. and I was so tired of identifying as a sick person I was even like trying to like grow an Instagram of like chronic illness people to like make connections and that was my entrepreneurial spirit but I had to eat like even me, I abandoned, I don't even know if I have that Instagram account, but I have abandoned that account because it was like, people were happy, be it identifying as being sick. And I was like, 
F that, like, no, like if I died tomorrow, I would be happy with my life because I still lived amazingly. You know what I mean? And it was just like, do I want to be a victim or do I want to be a victor? And like, that's kind of like where I went. And I just started self-developing and spirituality and learning like sociological behavior, like physiological responses to food, but also the mental psychology behind it. But not only just food, just human behavior and like rewriting stories. Like I just went on this wild self-development journey, but also paired it with, like I said, the five pillars, like paying attention every day to my nutrition. And then I started like going Facebook live and like just trying to help. And then, you know, I was like, I still like I'm an affiliate for ketones, but like I was leading with that. But I, and then I was creating these meal plan programs for people and no one would freaking do them. And I'm like thinking that I'm a shitty coach because people would just fail. And then, so then I started like, okay, but what do I know about rewriting stories? What do I know about self-development? Like, what do I know about the psychology behind eating? And then I'm like, holy shit. It's because no one's managing their stress and their emotions and their feelings like at all. And then we create these whole, like, I'm actually answering emails right now of like, Hey, what's, what's your biggest struggle right now? People are going into dissertations as to why they can't let's figure out how we can. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with food, really. I mean, yeah. it does, but no. no, it actually, I mean, that's, and I had Tanda, Dr. Tanda Cook, she's been on the podcast and she's my original business partner. She and I started our clinics together. We wrote our cookbook food that grows together, which is gluten-free, dairy-free, which is hilarious. Cause I had always said as a joke, when I was a vegetarian, if I'm ever going to write a cookbook, it's a thousand and one ways to eat bread and cheese. Cause I was like <laughs> uber like carb addicted and 25 yeah, years same. old. I'd been vegetarian my whole life and had blood sugar issues I didn't know about and all kinds of stuff. And so then here I actually literally wrote a book with no bread or cheese in the book. But Tanda was, you know, we were best friends, we went through medical school together, we started our practices together and she would just look at me and she's like, Sarah, I got all that, but it's just not about the food. You know, I'd get all like, yeah, but I can't, you know, cause I went from vegetarianism to strict paleo pretty much yeah. overnight. Oh, wow. And it was, very therapeutic for me. Like I had a deep deficit that my body needed me to pull out of at 25 years old dealing with, you know, I'd had asthma as a kid. I had chronic immune problems to like, you know, lots of people get colds and flus. Yeah. I'd get them for three weeks straight and they'd end up Mm. with two weeks of an asthma attack. And some people had exercise induced asthma, take an inhaler two hours later, they're better. I would have asthma after my immune system had a cold. So five days into having a cold, then my body starts having immune reactions to the excess inflammation from the cold. And then I wouldn't be able to breathe for two weeks. And like, there was this whole immune system thing. I got mononucleosis. I was in the hospital for four months, not in the hospital. I was in bed for four months. I got hospitalized at the beginning of it. That led to chronic strep throat, which then I got antibiotic resistant strep throat. So then I had to have my tonsils and adenoids taken out. So like, you know, parallel different body parts. And here I am at 25 years old in naturopathic school. And a dear friend of mine looks at me and goes, you're addicted to sugar and you need to eat meat. And I was so offended. (laughs) (laughs) Like my dad said, I look like shit. Yeah. But I, there was something in my gut that was like, I think he's right. And within, (laughs) you're not wrong, dad, you're not wrong friend in school. Oh my God. And within a month I had actually had to grieve 
no longer being a vegetarian. Cause what I had really started speaking of emotions, my family, my version of the story. And, you know, of course, through the eyes of a child was, you know, I had these amazing liberal hippie parents that were happy to throw out tradition and do whatever. And so my experience was like, there was nothing that tied us together. We didn't have a religion. We didn't have this like family tradition. We didn't have this way that was our thing, except I had been a vegetarian my whole life. And it was this like pillar of interesting fact about me. And it told you things about my politics. It told you things about my view on life. Like it was definitely an identity. Yep. And so then for me, even though everything was saying what there was for me to do was to shift towards this other diet, I had to shed that. And I literally like cried and had to grieve and let go of that experience and like, and, and become somebody I didn't know in that process. And then there was the whole embracing relationship to eating animals, which has a world of sociologic and emotional and environmental implications. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a parallel journey for sure. But like, it's crazy because like you identify as X, Y, Z, like I can't tell you how many people I just started this actual, like a couple months ago, full transparent. I mean, you know this, but like, I just literally started being like F keto and like everything because I'm in these Facebook groups and like trying to help people, whatever. And they're like, I just really want to eat a peach for the summer. And I'm like, no one gets fat from a freaking peach. Like I just, what is going on here? There's way more to it. So I've just recently over the lot, like I just did a food and feelings free workshop. And like, I posted prior to just see if like anybody would even be interested or like just kind of understand the verbiage or the thought process or what actual people struggle with just to understand. And I posted just randomly one day was like, do you identify as an emotional eater? And like hundred, I had hundreds yeah. of comments. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I know I need to do this now. Hit, like I hit like, and struck, struck something here. Yeah. Yes. And now and- do people like hundreds of comments. And then I offered a free workshop and 175 people signed up. I'd say 30 came. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. And then that's the weird, like you have to take your personal, there's nothing wrong with my marketing. It's just actually having the courage to be like, I, this is no longer serving me because I think that we have been brainwashed. You've been literally, and this is what I talk about in the workshop too. And I'll give your audience the replays if they want them. They're in my Facebook group, but like the second day we talked about like the brainwashing and the conditioning and like, you're genuinely set up for success in society. So having to like deprogram and rebrain what, like basically empower yourself instead of like recondition, essentially yourself, yeah. like it gives you wings. I'm loving it. Take a break with Kit Kat. Like, of course you're just hit from all sides on like those things. Cause I was doing some research on like the identity behind or like our conditioning. So I was just like, Holy crap. One. Like, no wonder you're just literally set up to fail. And then we're set up to fail because on XYZ media news channel, XYZ diet is now the fad and whatever. Okay, well, I'm going to try this one. And then you try this one and then you fail and you fail and you fail and you fail. Like the diet industry doesn't want you to be successful and neither does the food industry. So you're basically screwed. And then having that ability to have that awareness of like, okay, I need to recondition myself. 
And then take a deep breath in and be like, okay, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be on paleo. You don't need to be on keto. You just need to start making different choices yeah. first and yeah. then you'll get there. Yeah. I went on, and I went on the riff. <laughs> I love that riff. I mean, that's, <laughs> and that's one of the things where like, I have not created the Dr. Sarah Marshall method. And the reason I haven't done it is because there isn't one. Mm-mm. It's like, you know, where, and, and I have some clients where I also, I should probably come up with a coined term for this, but I notice there's some people who come to me and it is their personality style that, cause then there's also like, how do we learn and how do we perform and what, what, what are the ways we've been successful in the past doing things? And so some people, and I tend to be more this way are all or nothing people like they need to go home, clean out their pantry, give away or throw away all the foods that don't work. I always say give away because I don't want to waste food, but then I'm like, yeah, are you going to give your neighbors poison? Like, is that really a good idea? Yeah. <laughs> but you know, however that works for people and they, and they need to like not have it in the house. Like it's just, it's gotta I, be like clean yep. slate. I get that. And I understand like, cause I'm kind of that way too. Like if I don't have it here, I'm obviously not going to yeah. do it. Like, so I identify as that as well, but like it's, but that, but like, let's skip behind, like, why though? Yeah. You know what I, Like yep. that's, that's my work. And like, that's what I want to help people. Like, why though? Yeah. I don't really like, I just know myself. I know my bullshit. I know my stories. I know like what I'm going to tell myself. So I just know that that works for me. There's no resistance, but like, if you had a client and you're like, Hey, go clean out your fridge. And then they have resistance there or like exactly. or upset okay, well, it's not the actual act of doing that. It's the, okay, why are we triggered here? What's going on here? What happened to you maybe as a baby or a young child or in your home or your relationship with food that you've developed since however long? And it might be just subconscious stuff. And what I often find with a lot of people, for example, sake is, okay, you're a little two-year-old sitting in a high chair and you have the Cheerios and you threw the Cheerios on the ground 17 times and your mom screams at you not because she's actually mad at you she's just pissed off that she has to clean up the Cheerios but that actually causes a nervous nervous system response yep and it's I don't want to say trauma but like it is trauma to a two-year-old and then you're like holy crap now I need to hoard food subconsciously and then you yep. don't you actually start to express that as an adult so then you asking your client to go clean out the fridge mine too is triggered because of that actual two-year-old thing, not really because of the action itself. Yeah, exactly. So that's how deep it is, guys. Yeah, it really is that deep. And I Mm -hmm. have said this many times on the podcast, but I have my favorite trick that I tell people I'm going to trick them (laughs) is don't get rid of anything and you're going to be able to eat anything you want. And you have to eat six ounces of animal protein at every meal, six cups of vegetables a day and drink a gallon of water and then go nuts. And it's enough potent nutrition and hydration that it just pushes out the level of day-to-day stuff that people are doing because they just didn't eat anything yet. So of course they're starving at two o'clock in the afternoon and they're going to go for the easy things or, you know, and I work on the building the blocks of routine around blood sugar support. And then later on, maybe even months down the road, so many things have fallen away. So many things have fallen away that it starts to get to a place where we can make some other changes in actually like what foods should or shouldn't be, you know, in their 
biochemical self in order to make those differences. And there's some people I even ask them and I'll say like, Hey, I have a sense that you might be a person where it's easier for you for us to just take on breakfast. We're just going to work on, and I'm a big fan of starting at the beginning of the day. And I'm not opposed to intermittent fasting, but I do find the majority of the time it's a FDFF trend. And mostly what people do is they use it as an excuse to drink coffee all morning and not put any food into their body and crash their blood sugar by two o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't set them up at all. And that's not ketosis. No, it's <laughs> as not you know. ketosis at all. One, yeah. two, I think, yeah. And I, it's funny that you're bringing this up because everybody types these in, like I'm in so many Facebook groups, it's insane. But so many people are like, I'm going to try 16, eight. I'm like, oh, I'm a coach. I don't even know what the hell, like, I know what it means, I know. but it's yeah. just like, who cares? Like, just eat when you're hungry. Stop when you're full. Like, I, yes. I do, me personally, like, I just am genuinely not hungry, and I do drink ketones and fast, but I don't do it intentionally. I just eat when I'm hungry. But like, my schedule every day varies depending on my actual workout, like protein priority. Like, that's like number one for me. Yep. And then, like, I'm just not restrictive right now. Am I willing to when I explore? my food and my whole challenges, Sarah, we've talked about this, you know, but like, you know, when I'm ready to go down that road, but I'm not going to give myself a complex or again, try to stab in the dark, like these food map diets or whatever, like this, whatever you do these research. I, and I commend everybody for doing the research and being like, okay, they stop shooting all over themselves. They know they need to make the actual change, but like, you're literally trying to put a one size fits all situation on your body. And this is where I've had issues with like actual functional medicine practitioners, because I do know meat, veggies, healthy fats, move your body. Like I get all of it. We're nutritionally trained, et cetera, but I need to know custom based on my pathways and what's going on. Okay. Can I have blackberries? Can I have this? Like, is my response this, or is it that deep? Or if I do have cake, is it going to be a problem? And that is what I'm not willing to do because it gives me the mind complex for right now. But like, that's just where I'm at. And I'm a full supporter of eat to your goal, not yes. yeah. try to give it like, and, but set a specific, okay, I want to lose one pound a week. Okay, cool. But like one, take the week out of it, the timeline, because that's like, that creates this pressure around well I should have lost or I lost this in the past and da 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 it's like okay you're and here this is right now. now and this is the part where like I mean yes I'm biased I have a business coach a life coach a naturopathic <laughs> physician and a chiropractor I am aware uh, but in my world yep. I surround myself with people who can see like I say you can't see the inside of your own eyeballs you cannot you actually so. need that that reflection and it is a huge part of why my life works the way it works. And I get to do the things I get to do. And, and the power of coaching is to be able to have someone who can help you navigate those places. What does really matter and what yeah. actually, and it, in it, the th- people ask me all the time, do you think, I, you know, is intermittent fasting good? I get that question. And I <laughs> oh say, God, yes. Or should I take apple cider vinegar? I'm like, it so what is depends. Your it depends. Like it totally depends. People, yeah. Do people get really annoyed with you? Cause you don't give them a literal black and white answer. Like people get so mad. I'm like, well, blah, 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 blah. and then I'm like listening to myself. I'm like, this is such an ambiguous answer. And I'm really sorry, but like, I don't know. Yeah. Like it yeah. just like my biggest tips for everyone listening is like, remember your outcome and remember your why, because like, 
you can read all the shit on the internet all day, every day. And like, you're going to get ambiguous answers for one. No one's like, that was my biggest frustration in my Google research for decades was like, Mark says and says this. And then like somebody else says this. And then somebody else says this. I'm like, (sighs) yeah, like, yeah, totally. And I, I commend you for your social media activity because I don't play in that field that strongly. So that's partially why I don't get it the same pushback because I'm usually actually having a conversation with a person so I can help create context or like educate them around it. And, and what I don't want to leave people with is like, nothing works. You're screwed. <laughs> no, <laughs> because no, actually, I, I feel like we set that stage. It's Sorry, super possible. And, and there's always got to be a starting point. Right. Yes. And, and a big piece I teach my clients is trusting their intuition. And there may yes. be this little quiet voice, or it might be a screaming important voice that's saying, no, you really do need, to, you know, and it all, and again, it, like what you said in the outcomes, it depends, like, are you dealing with an autoimmune disease or are you dealing with something more like metabolic syndrome where there's no, and this is, I don't think a lot of people know this, but like metabolic syndrome, isn't a disease. It says syndrome. It's not really a disease. What it is, is the condition of your lifestyle. And if you change your lifestyle, you don't have that anymore. So yes, yeah. most people, not everyone with diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and there's, I'm just going to put a tiny little, this might be a tangent, but there's so much conversation about genetic hyper high cholesterol, genetic mm-hmm. high blood pressure. Uh, yes. Yes. It? And I mean, there are, I have had people who literally have genetic high triglycerides and triglycerides should usually be around a hundred on most labs, or if you can do lower than that, great. Mm. These are people that have like 900, a thousand. If you're hanging out at 300 and you're drinking soda and you have a processed food diet, it's not really. Now, the genetic piece is why you're dealing with a triglyceride issue and you're not dealing with a digestive issue. That's the part, like the propensity of the inflammation is happening. What system is it going to attack? That's your family. Thank your grandmother for it. But that doesn't mean, genetic doesn't mean there's nothing to be done, but take a statin. There's so much more out there. And so those things, but like whether or not you have an autoimmune disorder or are you more in like lifestyle type disorders in that way, you know, how long have you been dealing with something or is it really just, I need to move my body and I need to eat more, less processed foods, more whole foods and clean some things up because I just don't feel good. Like that general malaise. And I mean, I, when I came out and said I had chronic fatigue syndrome, which I'm pretty sure I don't have anymore. i I, yeah. I need, I now have to have no fatigue for six. You have to have fatigue for six months to be able to say you have had chronic fatigue behind you. And then yeah. now I have to not have fatigue for six months to say, I don't have it, but I'm pretty sure that part is over. But as I would share with people, I mean, pretty much everyone was like, well, I have fatigue too. Like, I mean, I feel that same exact way. And one, it's massively underdiagnosed. And two, you know, when our body doesn't get the oxygen, the nutrition, the sleep, and the water it needs, not to mention the love, the support, the break from stress, the break yeah. from screens, the community support, we run out of energy because our energy is like a bank account and it can only go so far. And then yes. there's a limit. And if you want to run an ultra marathon, if that's your goal, then yeah, nope. you're probably <laughs> going to take on an incredibly 
strict nutritional regimen and you probably won't even have too big of a deal about it because your goals are where they are. And if your goal is to walk a mile every day and not wheeze when you go up and down the stairs, which is a wonderful thing to experience, that's going to put you into a different like tank. And then what I love that you're sharing about is there is a time and a place for that. But in addition to, as we move you through this nutritional journey to make a difference for your physical body, we want to be paying attention. Like I get as much diagnostic information from the things my clients say they won't do (laughs) to the things that my clients are like, oh, no problem. Done. Handled. You know, it's like there's where those resistance, we then get to look underneath the curtain. Yeah. I love, yeah, exactly. And you hit on everything I was going to say, cause I didn't want to like leave, like just how you said, we just didn't want to leave everybody like, okay, well, what the hell am I supposed to do then? Exactly. Um, <laughs> the long-winded response to that is the five pillars, like stop waiting till Monday for one, mm-hmm. because <laughs> I'm so glad. You- oh my God. And it just really quick is I literally before this podcast was like, I'm going to commit to that yoga class when I get back from my trip next week. And it's literally what you just said. So I'm like, okay, got it. Heard, heard. Okay. So stop I mean, listen, I'm, fu- I'm fully supportive of, cause like for me, I was just recovering from like the COVIDs and like all of that. And I wanted to get back on my, you know, routine of like from traveling and like recovering and all of that. And I was like, okay, I'm genuinely going to the gym on Monday. So like, I get that, but like, I also went for walks. Like, it's not like I completely abandoned. I did what I could with the energy that I had. So I understand that caveat of like, okay, the fresh start prepping myself Sunday into Monday. Like I get that like fully because I do it too, but I'm just saying like, stop. It takes a lot more energy and effort to muster up the willpower to go for an XYZ long run of doing an XYZ diet. And then when you fall off or get diet fatigue after four days and you're like case of the efforts, phase first into a burrito, then it perpetuates this guilt, shame and upsetness cycle. And then you now need to completely muster up more energy, willpower to forgive yourself and then get back quote unquote on. So my tip is, burn the freaking wagon. There is no wagon to get on or off for one for two, just start paying attention to your choices. If you're going to have a burger with a bun, skip the fries or skip the bun and have a couple fries. Don't eat the whole thing or do a side salad with ranch dressing. I don't know. Like just yep. start trading, yep. negotiating, paying attention, fundamental diet, meat, veggies, healthy fats, and then seasonal fruit. It's that simple. We overcomplicate it because we're crazy humans. And Um, you can't, it's as you and I have, have worked out in our own entrepreneurial nature. (laughs) It's not sexy to say, I don't have the 10 step winning formula. That is the one size fits all. Like that's an easier pitch in our current world. Yeah. We want the method. We want, you know, we want to like do that from an entrepreneur standpoint and like solve these problems. But like, If you're not willing to recognize and reframe the story of I identify as an emotional eater to I'm committed to managing my emotions in a healthier way, then I can't help you. It's like the same thing with addicts. It's like, okay, if you have an addiction issue, everybody in the mom and their mom is not going to solve that because you have to recognize that there is one, a problem and two, you need help. So I just say, you know, 
stop waiting till Monday, focus on the five pillars. And then my other big pro tip for everyone, cause like raise your hand or nod your head. If you genuinely wake up in the morning and then a oh, holy crap, it's 5 PM and your face first into your fridge and have no idea what's going on and it's all mindless. So to prevent that mindless autopilot behavior to start then making better choices is to manage your mindfulness throughout the day. Pro tip, set alarms. When I do this diligently, I feel significantly better. My clients feel significantly better. Am I hundred percent on it? No, but like, I think like this will literally break you set alarms in your phone 10 to whenever Susie from accounting is coming to piss you off and trigger you about 4 30 to like do your accounting reports and you're trying to leave by five you're pissed off at her you're mad so then you're driving home like let's just set some alarms to break that bullshit basically or patterns so that you're able to then literally solve 90% of your stress and emotion issues by putting your hand on your heart and taking a deep breath in and just breathing, mm. like set the alarm, get out of your, like, get out of your typing on the computer and all of those things. And really just breathe for a second yeah. and re-remind yourself that you have personal power. Willpower is bullshit. Your personal power is going to help you make those decisions. You have to keep tapping into it, but you can't just pull from it when like your alarm goes off, you have to do it and manage your nervous system, right. To make yeah. better decisions. That was a, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And breathing. I mean, that's actually, I'm stoked how much in the research and some of the conversations we've actually started to create a lot of validation to the difference that correct, uh, parasympathetic based breathing can actually do in the body. And I just had a huge aha, like six months ago Mm -hmm. because you know, what we got taught is low, slow, deep breaths, low, slow, deep breaths, low, slow, deep breaths, use your belly, mm. belly breathing. That's yeah. what you often get told. Well, I'm still testing this out, but what I've been learning is actually that's not our natural native way of breathing. And if you actually do it, like it takes effort to yeah. breathe that way. And there is actually a name to this method. And I'm so sorry that I don't know the name of it. It begins with a B. (laughs) I will make sure it's in the show notes, but there is a system of breathing where it's actually shallow breathing and you do it through your nose. You close your mouth. It's nasal breathing. And you actually try and breathe as little as you can get away with. You take these very soft, Mm -hmm. slow breaths but like not slowing them down beyond normal. You're actually just kind of your natural rhythm and you try and shorten it like the least amount of air coming in as possible. And it's, you're actually supposed to get to a place where you feel a little air hungry. And I watched a uh, YouTube video on this and the guy did it with the whole audience and everyone took, you know, a minute and he said, raise your hand if you can feel more saliva in your mouth now than when we started. And the majority of the room did. Well, saliva production is a sign that your parasympathetic nervous system is dominant. Oh. And so I, me, I'm literally, I actually had somebody share this method with me and I thought it was bullshit. I was like, (laughs) yeah, whatever, another gimmick. And then I, it came up in some research I was doing actually for asthma patients that I have and some um, COPD patients that I have. I've had a huge amount of success with my clients with this. 
And it's like one of those, okay, we actually did the research and we studied it and we were able to show that there's this relaxation technique and, and it's really contrary to what our typical way of thinking about it. Now, the yogis have known this for a long time. And when you get into pranayama breathing, there's all kinds of different breathing techniques that have a different impact on different parts of the body and your nervous system and the organ systems. But yeah. even technique aside, paying attention to your breath period, whatever oh, yeah. version of it it is, is a huge improvement and being able to take that moment. And it's actually something I've talked to clients about and friends about there's a lot of work environments that if you're a smoker, it's completely socially acceptable for you to take a 10 minute smoke break and go outside and breathe. <gasps> ah, this drives me nuts. Yes, but if was, you're not yes. a smoker and you just want to take a 10 minute break and go outside and breathe, you're, you're slacking off on the job. And I'm like, please, can we change this? So whatever that ends up looking like, you got to like fake go to the bathroom or something. Yeah. But- I love what you said too, about leave the workspace that you're in, even if it's like turn, you know, I have a swivel chair or a yoga ball that I sit in most of the time. So I actually will just at least turn away from my main workspace and look out a window and actually connect to nature and just pay attention. And I love also how you added, put your hand on your heart because there's a connection that happens there. And you actually like, there's a neurofeedback response that we have when we do that. You can also put a hand on a belly if you want to, which is more vulnerable for many people, but actually it'll get you a little bit deeper into your body. And like 10 minutes would be awesome, but two minutes will make a difference. Oh my God. Even 30 seconds. Yeah. Like when you're in that frantic, like, and I do this a lot, like, cause I just, I mean, but this has taken an evolution over the lifetime that I've had so far. It's just like, cause I'm the hustler. Like I'll go, go, go. Like just, I couldn't tell. I East Coast. Yep. I say that I'm an East Coast, East Coast hustler with the West Coast Zen or something. I forget. I made a funny joke uh-huh. the other day. But no, it's just, but that it's true. But like, I just hustle and then I just, I've come to the realization that the hustling's great. It produces results for sure. But I grind through and I'm actually not serving anyone when I'm in a state of like, ah. So it's taken practice for me to just shut my computer and be like, nothing is going to get solved right now. Wanting to actually throw my computer out the window. How about we just take a deep breath in and just breathe for a second. And 90% of my problems just get solved. Cause I can yeah. then clearly think instead of trying to grind through, but that's called personal power, not yeah. grinding, you know? And so then I think it's here, but make the connection for us between, okay, so you set an alarm, say every two hours or a couple of times throughout your work day to just breathe. Like that's what my alarm actually says. And I even have, I actually, cause I have put this in recently at, on my calendar at the beginning of the day, there's a 15 minute calendar occasion, five days a week that says breathe. And it's not even that I always do it at that time, but yeah. that it's sitting there <laughs> and I can see it that. 500 times I check my calendar all day long, it just keeps it as a structure. So whether that's a sticky note or alarms that are set, depending on how your work days go, yeah, that practice of breathing. But now what does that really have to do with our diet? The reason why we're doing that is because we're not coming home at 5 PM in that. Oh my God, I just need to eat some food. Like in that, like crappy mindset and stress your increased cortisol level, which then causes cravings. And because of your old patterning conditioning, however you came up in the world, 
you're probably trying to self-soothe that right nervous system response with poor food choices. It's not entirely your fault, but until you start recognizing and managing your response, your stress response, you're never, you're going to continue to emotionally eat and you have to find pattern interrupts, which is the alarms to break your patterns throughout the day. So then you're regulating your nervous system by doing the breathing, activating that, et cetera. And I don't need to really set the alarms. Now, if I feel my heart racing or just being stressed, I'm so intuitive now that I'm able to just breathe and shut the computer and like tap back into my personal power, but it's not easy for everyone who doesn't has never even had this conversation before, or doesn't even recognize that their stress levels are the way they are. And they're just thinking, well, there's something wrong with me because I don't have willpower willpower to stick it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, it's listen, you have to take personal responsibility for your choices. Point blank period. End of story. I, if you feel aligned to reach out to me and want to talk about that, I am going to be direct with you. I'm going to pattern interrupt you. I'm probably going to trigger you. I am not for everyone. I have a t-shirt that says it. I'm just who I am. And like, listen, just if, but find someone how you said like that can help you see the inside of your eyeballs because it's like if you don't start recognizing your patterns you're shooting all over yourself I should make changes I should do this I wish I had willpower I feel fluffy I feel gross I feel you're repetitive you're repeating that story until you start to have the courage to be like okay I want to take the pen now and rewrite it yeah you're gonna stay in that same story and then yeah just like managing that stress and that emotion. And then, so that is my pro tip for the alarms, but also because you've been conditioned since we've been young, Oh, the baby's crying, give her Cheerios or Hey, you broke up with your boyfriend. Here's some Ben and Jerry's like we soothe with food. So again, it's not really entirely your fault, but you have to become aware. So instead of coming home being like, I have the case of the efforts, I just want to eat Ben and Jerry's because Susie from accounting pissed me off all day poor Susie from accounting. She's a fictitious character. If you ever <laughs> come onto the Facebooks and watch uh-huh. my trainings, I literally pick on Susie from accounting. She's not really real. <laughs> Just to clarify, I'm not Good. super bitchy actually, yeah. but I, but like, that's, you know, we're just pissed off at work or whatever. We come home and we're just like, Oh, I had the worst day. I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine yep. and just mindlessly do blah, blah, blah. Okay. Recognize that you have that response what would make you happier? That's not a substance or an escape, a dance party, a breathing, a love on your dogs, love on your partner, going in the bathroom and screaming for 10 minutes. Like, I don't know, but it's a lot easier to just feel the freaking feelings than it is to continue to carry it, carry it with you. And then self-soothe with self-sabotage. Yeah. Yep. And then I love that you went, went into that space. Cause that's another thing that I do a lot of work with for myself and with my clients is like, okay, what are we actually getting from this behavior? What's the benefit? Like we have a tendency to just, everything's negative. I know it's terrible. I should have more willpower. It's not good for me, but I do it anyways. Like we just stay in that loop. Yep. Okay. Well actually let's flip that around. Like, and the particular one that gets a lot of people is I actually ask them like, what do you love about smoking? And they're like, they can tell you actually, you know, but we're not allowed to have that conversation. We're not like supposed to say all the good things. And like, one of the things I identified with clients a long time ago was I get to go outside and step away from my work space and sit on a stoop and take 10 minutes to breathe or go on, you know, my phone just to check this out for a minute or whatever. 
that if I'm not smoking, I don't have. And so we actually like, look at like, how can we build that same practice in without just ripping the bandaid off? I'm a huge fan of like building from the inside out and having those habits fall away versus ripping band-aids off. Cause that's another way of actually not being kind to ourselves is that self-punishment through I'm going to do this. And I'm I'm debating if I was going to call out a particular program, there's a program Mm. that has come out recently (laughs) that is very strict and it's empowering if that's a match for what you're creating in your life. But I have watched people do this program and it's um, pretty long. It's like over 60 days and it's hundred percent integrity or you start over at the beginning. And uh, I think I know it's, a, I think I know what you're anyways. Saying. And I don't want to like, cause it has a lot of good value. Like I can get it. My point is, is that, that what I've seen is I've had a couple people actually realize after completing it successfully that they did it out of punishing themselves. But it really was like, screw you, you fucked up. You haven't done this well. You did it. And so I'm trying to, you know, and, and we actually have recreated it inside of a space of like, what would it look like to spend 70 days of your life loving (laughs) on yourself? What would it look like to actually spend 70 days of your life in the context of healing and restoration? And what would you do? And the other, this is a total pro tip is when you're in a space for it, when you have a Sunday morning with a cup of tea or coffee and you're actually in a reflective mood, write a list of at least 30 things you love to do that are accessible on a daily basis. Also, yeah. you can write the list next to it that are like bigger ticket items, like going to a mm-hmm. concert or you know taking the ferry somewhere or hanging out at a park or whatever that is. But when I'm in crisis or when I'm in the downward spiral, it doesn't dawn on me that what would really be great in this moment is to go do this healing action that comes with practice that comes over time. So I love having these lists for people. So it's like on their refrigerator, like color in a coloring book, go walk outside barefoot in the grass and get connected to the earth, like gardening, water, your plants, pet the dog, play with the dog, play with the kids you know, whatever those things are and actually get sourceful about what are the things that you love in life. And for many of my clients, we end up finding that there's a missing place for their creative expression. They're artists or painters or writers that never quote, have time to do it, understand that completely, or they are dancers and they do like to have the dance party in the kitchen. That's not my thing, but you know, I've it's built really a mine, new but... practice of a lot more ritual in my life and a lot more meditation. And I kind of laugh yes. because I have prided myself being pretty minimalistic. And I recently have gotten really interested in shamanic medicine. And what's really wild is like in my past around energy healing, it was just visualizations and a lot of like in my head meditations. Yeah. Well, in shamanism, they have tools there's like all these objects. And so on my working desk, it looks ridiculous because on my desk, I have like all my essential oils and all my potions (laughs) and my rose water spray and my rattle and my, but yet that actually is a set of structures that are there to remind me. And I have never even been able to bring rigor to meditation. Like people are like, I'm going to meditate every day for 10 minutes. Yeah. I, oh my God. I fail at all of those. <laughs> do you want to know what I did this morning? I was meditating, trying to do a feminine, like tap into your femininity, just because obviously I'm more masculine, but like <laughs> mid meditation, I was like, I'm going to the gym. And I like, 
<laughs> totally. I, I went, I went from feminine to like major masculine. Yeah. I was like, maybe I just need to rest. So listen, guys, like seriously, we have to do like, we're crazy too. Like it just is uh-huh. different applications, not yep. always just diet. I love yeah. that. And now I just laugh at myself when I sit down at my desk and it's like filled up with all of these little tinctures and things and stuff. And, but it's become this amazing structure and I've been incredibly reliable for taking 10 to 30 minutes almost every single day because I just want to do it. I don't have to commit to it. I don't have to give my word to it. It like organically showed up out of a self-expression. Now I had to do work to even get to the place to give myself permission for that. And so that's the place where coaching, therapy, EMDR, like there are different access points that I find the people that I have met that have actually lost a hundred pounds and kept it off that have like truly shifted. I always love asking them, like, what was it that actually made the difference? You'll always hear a story of healing past trauma, falling in love with themselves, Mm -hmm. gratitude, giving, and it, it, there is actually a blueprint for how this works. It's just not the diet. The diet is, you can't see my hands on a podcast, but the diet (laughs) is at like a higher superficial level. It's fine. It has its importance. And then you get into those deeper layers. And if you can have yourself set up where you're working on your nutrition with a person or a program or a situation who will also talk about and help you address those other things, like then they should call you. Yeah, no, I love that. And I I love what you said. Like, I was just thinking of a good analogy. It's like, okay, we have these tools in our toolbox, right? Like you're into the essential oils, shamaning, whatever. Like I'm not nowhere anywhere near that, but like, I do have a freaking smudge stick over here and like I burn sage and I have candles and like, these are tools, right? But like, and then we also have our diets and our hydration and all of that also tools to be a good human. And like, you have to figure out what tools work best for you specifically, but like you focusing on diet alone is like trying to put a screwdriver where you need a hammer. You know what I mean? Like you, you're using the wrong modality tool to fix a problem. Exactly. Think, yes, we have a body composition issue. You think you need diet, but it's, you have a body composition because you don't manage your stress maybe, or you, there's a lot of relationship issues or whatever, but like, yes, of course it sounds fundamental, move more, eat less, but it's not that it's simple. It's just not easy. You know, you have to find the right tool, but stop focusing on just the diet because the diet's not going to fuck the meal plans. Like it's the meal plan's not going to like, do you know how many people message me on a daily basis? I need a meal plan. No, you don't. You need to understand there's a million of them on Pinterest. Why aren't you using them? Uh-huh. And yeah. then people don't like the yeah. right clients like yeah. that response. Yeah. The wrong ones yeah. get mad yeah. at me, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Totally hear you. Oh my gosh, Mandy, you are a fiery wealth of knowledge. Thanks. I love it. It's been super great. This has been really fun. And and also, you know, it's a conversation that is on the edge of what we're comfortable with is like, yeah. you know, it, it, and the part is, is we do want ease and we do want one size fits all. And we do want answers and honest to God, if I could guarantee it, I would give it to you, but I just yep. watched that continually 
in the long run not work unless you can just bring a lot of awareness to it and go, okay, I'm going to start this diet, but the point of it is for me to pay attention to my responses. The point of it is an experiment to see how do I feel? What works for me? What doesn't work for me? And that's how I set it up with all my clients is we're going to take on this nutrition protocol because it's from my best knowledge of what's going to make a difference for you. But I want you to think of it like an experiment. Bring me feedback. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where like, actually, I don't have a problem eating dairy. Great. Then we'll deal with that. You know, like yeah. it's, it's not up to me to prescribe the way that you need to eat. I will give you a starting point and then you get to discover yeah. You are in a big piece that does is now I, I do this at the end of the podcast. I introduce a whole nother topic that we should spend <laughs> another hour talking about, which okay. we will someday two, round two, <laughs> but is our relationships to our body. Like there's emotional eating and being an emotional eater. And there's a whole world. If your body was a family member, what would your relationship with that family member actually be like? Do you talk oh, to them? Good. Do you even like them? Do you ever do anything nice for them? Is it all, you know, do you verbally abuse them? Do you put them down all the time? Do you let them ever have a say? That's been something I've been working on at the level of intuitive eating is my body getting to have a say. And I had this really crazy meditation happen last spring when I was really like asking the question, what is it going to take for me to disappear the chronic fatigue, like be done with it? Mm -hmm. And literally I had this experience, like this little kid who was my body just looks at me and goes, it's my turn. <laughs> and it was like this whole context that my brain and my soul, even my spirit had been calling all the shots and leading my life up till now at 41 years old. And my body's never had a say, I'm like, you, you little thing, what do you know about life? How, why would I trust you? And it's, yeah. it's challenging me. Like I've always considered myself an athlete, but I don't necessarily actually have the rigor that comes with that. And I can see a whole relationship around my physicality. And I have not been willing to surrender and let my body lead and make the choices truly that. like not my mouth, not my taste buds, but actually my whole body making the decisions. And I am at the beginning of that discovery because it's uncomfortable. I am a brain with legs. I have no problem yes. thinking my way through things letting my body lead and being in my body and of my body where there's less logic and there's less language and yeah, mm -hmm. but that's the next frontier. I'm every level is a new devil. It doesn't matter. Like if you are a doctor or like me evolution of keto to now, like entrepreneurship as no, it like, listen, means me and doc have freaking coaches glorified brain babysitters because we have to do in different areas of our life we just got the diet stuff down you know yep. and i just think i'll leave this with people with this perspective because i think that this might help shift so if you have the body that you always desired how would you be acting feeling thinking, behaving, what would you do? Like create that vision of where you want to go, but also too, on the flip side, because sometimes we like want to create these visions and then we see it's either superficial or just grandiose. How you said you did the meditations and like the chronic fatigue and you wanted to like manifest out of that. What if you were stuck with that chronic fatigue forever? Yeah. How would you have to then yeah. manage? Like you had no way out. Right. Ah, oh, you and I, I love this. I said the same it, thing. Because it, it shifts the perspective. Somebody said that to me about like my body, my issues. And I was like, 
okay, well, what do I have to become? Like, what, like it just creates a different thought process because you're like, oh shit, like I'm really stuck with this now. Like, who do I have to become? Because then it will help you quantum jump out of the issue that you're having or get into it. So I think, yes, creating the vision and the direction that you want to go, but also understanding that like, if you don't do that, how would you then have to behave, think, do, or say, eat, et cetera, to like get out of that same mm-hmm. thing, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Yay. All right. We're going to have to put a pin in this somewhere because you and I, I could do this for a long time, but for it's sure. so <laughs> freaking great to have you here. And thank you for sharing with this audience, your knowledge and your spirit. And we will have all the ways to contact you in the show notes and what you're creating. And there might even be promo codes. We'll figure all that stuff out. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a great contribution here to tackle the relationship to food conversation. So thank you so much, Mandy. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you so, so much too. (laughs) Thank you to today's guest, Mandy Podlesny for passion and courage. For all the resources from today's show, visit sarahmarshallnd.com backslash podcast. Special thanks to our music composer, Roddy Nickpour and our editor, Kendra Vicken. And as always, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time.